0: Uh, for some reason this morning I didn't get up and at, as he left and I actually didn't get up until uh, there was a knock on the front door and it was one of our neighbours who was out for morning work and she said, Craig, you, you, your brother's been in an accident and you need to, it looks really bad. So I jumped in, I raced in, I, you know, I think I got dressed, grabbed my car keys, I raced downstairs, jumped in my car and raced down to where she said the accident was Um and it was really bad. Um, he, he was clearly dead. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Welcome, Craig, to the little picture. It's great to have you along. I was wondering if you could start by telling us what life was like growing up in the Mansour household. It's kind of funny.
0: Um, I'm the uh, I'm the eldest in my family, so um, we're a Lebanese family. Um, mum's an Aussie, dad's a Leb. So growing up, I'm the eldest uh, Mansour grandson. So there's a bit of a patriarchal thing in the family, and so there, there were lots of different things that happened. Uh, that I only found out about later in life, um, you know, little little funny stories like if I'd walk into a room and want a toy, my grandfather would take it off the cousins and give it to me because I was the eldest, which was good in the room, but not so good um, in the backyard later when the grandfather wasn't there and the cousins were. So there were all of those sort of really interesting um, mixed cultural you know uh, interactions that we had growing up, but but I was pretty blessed. Yeah, you know, mum dad had a good job. Mum and dad loved each other and you know my brothers and sister and I we all fought all the time but we all loved each other. Yeah. Um and we had a pretty good middle class upbringing. Mum and dad are pretty staunch catholics. And so we spent you know I went to catholic schools all the way through. We were at church every Sunday. Dad was at church every morning, every day of the week. He he went to mass. Um still does. And and so there was that that sort of very structured catholic upbringing in a big lebanese family
1: as a kid what were your thoughts about god
0: i had no sense there was anything but a god but it was more of a um a distant god a god who's the ruler the king um rather than god the father
1: yeah
0: um so he was there and if i did the right things i pleased him when i did the wrong things i didn't please him and life was going to be a balance of in the end would i know and i I guess from where i sat priest who who led our church he he was a pretty old school catholic so anything i say is not yeah, you know yeah. like it's about him not yeah. necessarily about the catholic church yeah, it's about yeah, his yeah. perspective on it um and he was a big believer in, you know if you didn't go to church every sunday you went to hell he taught the purgatory stuff inside out back to front upside yeah. down um so there was kind of a sense of well, just do what you do and if you don't do it enough, you go to purgatory for a couple of years, you'll be in heaven. Be right. So yeah, yeah. Like, as long as you turned up every Sunday, which was fine as a kid. Like yeah. as a little kid, I thought, okay, <laughs>
1: that,
0: that seems to be pretty easy. And, and mum and dad were pretty good people and some of my aunties and uncles. And so as long as I kind of did what they told me to yeah. do, I, yeah. yeah, you know, like it was just going to be all right.
1: How were your experiences at a Catholic school?
0: A primary school was fine. I had this weird situation at primary school where my mum was head of the PNC or the PNF or the Mothers Club, I guess it was called yeah, yeah. back then. I'm a thousand years old, and she and the nun in charge of my school hated each other. So I'm pretty sure whenever they had that, they had a difficult day. How do you know they hated each other? I, I, I witnessed a number of <laughs> arguments. <laughs> I can't remember a name, sister, something or other, but. My mum was pretty feisty. She would get riled up and so would sister and they'd have an argument and then I'd get the cane. Like it was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that. I would, uh, she'd just beat me. But it sounds stupid, but you kind of just, yeah. I got used to getting in trouble. And so again, it was like, okay, well, if you're going to hit me, I might as well give you something to hit me for. I had this great teacher, I had this horrible teacher in year three, this great teacher in year four. And back then in Catholic schools, kindergarten in year four, boys and girls were together. And then year five, all of a sudden, boys you know, got bad and had yeah. to be separated from the girls. Yeah. Or girls got bad and yeah. had to be separated from the boys, I don't know. But we were sent off to single-sex schools at that point. And so year five, I moved to Patrician Brothers at Granville, good school, but there were some some less than good people teaching at that school. And so the my interactions with the teachers became more and more fraught and I got more and more argumentative as it went yeah. along. So I ended up... Probably, you know, years five, six, seven, life was pretty good. I was an adequate footballer and those schools were all about football, so I didn't get in trouble as long as I was playing footy. Well, I got in trouble, but got away with it. And then as we got older, things got more fraught.
1: Yeah,
0: how so? I I guess um, I was less interested in being a part of what they were doing. You know there are days when I sit and go, "Well, you know that's because I was gifted and they weren't looking after me and so I was bored mm-hmm. um I don't think that's actually true. it's just what I tell myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. There are other days where um I found that the again, I come back to the 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 beating like year five and six there was one particular um leader of the school who I took a disliking to, and he took a dislike to me he would uh Tell me often how I was nothing like my cousins and yeah. and stuff like that. And he would regularly. I remember this one one time. This is me being bad, right? This one time we were sitting in class, and I don't know. do You know what um wasps are? So the, yeah. the you wrap the paper up oh, a elastic band, you pull it back and let it go. Um, <laughs> I don't recommend anyone does that. You <laughs> can blind people, but I did it. Made mate of mine was standing at the door and he moved and, and this teacher walked in and it got this teacher on the cheek. And who did that? And it was a measure of my popularity at school that um, pretty much every bloke in the class turned and pointed at me. Okay. Mansour did it. And so I just, each morning I'd turn up at school and he tried to do it as early as possible because it was colder yeah. and I'd get the strap. And the strap was a sort of 30 centimetre, about a length of, you know, 30 centimetre, bit of thick leather, um, and you'd just get six on each hand. Yeah. And so that was the start of every day for a period of time. And he would, he would find opportunities to do that to me pretty regularly. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was not um, charming. Um, it wasn't helpful. Um, and so I started to dislike him. But because he wore robes of, you know, the church... Uh, started disliking those people as well, and then then so I just I got more cranky yeah. um, heading through high school, and so I ended up I made it through to year ten. They even made me a prefect, which was kind of a bit weird. But I mean, look, it was a it was a tough school that I we had athletics carnivals, and I'd sort of come last in the heat I was in, and yet I'd go off to a representative to run the hundred meters, and I'd say to the PE teacher, "Why am I going?" Look at the blokes who beat you, Craig. Like I'm not taking them out for the day. Sort of, yeah, okay. you know. So it was, it was a, it was a good school, but a tough school. It was, it was what it was. Finished, finished year ten. Went to a different school for year eleven, and I found that transition really difficult because I really didn't like school. I really got there, and I found I really, really didn't like the people there. So a couple of weeks in, I, I made a decision one morning that I was going to fix that problem and not go to school anymore. And and I sort of thought it through that if I do something that's uh, aggressive enough, the school will help me not go Mm -hmm. to that school anymore. So I went in that day. It wasn't what I intended to do, but one of the teachers got in my face. And so I thought, okay, yeah, I'm not particularly proud of this, but I gave this teacher a gobble, threw a book at them and the school helped me to Moved to a new school, yeah. but I didn't care. Yeah. I thought school was a, a joke.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I thought it was a, a place that you went to be completely controlled by people who were jerks, mm-hmm. and um, and I, yeah, I had no interest in being part of school. Yeah. Um, but you seemed
1: you had good enough marks to get into university. Yeah. And what did you study when you first went to university? <sighs>
0: Well, I took a year off after school. I um, did your typical, or it was a bit atypical then, gap year. Um, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. So spent a year working in sales at different shops around Fairfield and Liverpool and places like that where I grew up. And that was a heap of fun. You know, I got to hang out with friends, really strengthened my friendship with one of my best mates from school. He was working in Liverpool. I was working in Liverpool. That was great. About halfway through the year, that year, I got a phone call from, ironically, from from one of the religious brothers from the school, the, the year seven to ten school. Um, he was running a camp for for young people during the holidays, and and I was relatively good at sport back then, and he needed someone to just come and run a sports activity every afternoon. So I said, "No worries," and um, I went along and helped out, and I found. That it was really powerful. I'm good at this. I'm comfortable in this space, and I know what I'm doing. And they seemed to listen to me. So at that point, I made the decision that I wanted to be a primary school teacher. So I looked, and I was chatting with a mate of mine in the next couple of days, and and he said, you know, we can sit this test in a couple of weeks, and they'll take that into account with the uni results, and you can get into. And he wanted to go to Western Sydney. It wasn't called that then. I can't remember. It was doesn't matter. Western Sydney Uni at Milpera, that's yeah. where he wanted to study. And I looked up and they had a teaching degree there. He didn't want to do teaching. He wanted to do something else. But I went, okay. That's an amazing turnaround from the stories we've just
1: taken from you to, yeah. to make a decision to become, oh,
0: to study primary school teaching.
1: Well, <laughs> you know, it's a really arrogant
0: statement that I'm yeah. about to make. Like, I thought I was really good and they were real jerks, people I worked with. Yeah. And so I figured, like, it's not right those people run schools it's not right the kids um have to put up with that stuff yeah. and i can balance that yeah i can you know i didn't think i'd be able to fix it all actually i did but I, yeah. you know i thought it would take me a long time to do it but i i couldn't let what happened to me happen to others yeah that's not going to be yeah. okay
1: did it affect your perception of the church yeah
0: i, I felt I, well, I guess probably around we we had a rule at home. If if I was living under Mum and Dad's house, I had to go to church each weekend. Yeah. Not under in under their yeah. roof, sorry. And that was again. My parents were pretty reasonable, yeah. and that was I figured an hour a week. I just had to go and sit there um, and put up with it. And again, plenty of mates that I went to school with were going as well. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it was a, it was a good social time. So I went to church, but I, I got to the end of Year Twelve and started work, and I kind of. Said to dad, look, that mum and dad have a house up the Central Coast, um, and they would go up there on weekends. I was working, so I didn't go. And I kind of said to dad, look, when you're here, I'll go to church with you. But but I don't. You're going to hear that I'm not at church when mm-hmm. when you're not here, and that'll be true. I'm not going to be going. He said, why don't you go and talk to the priest about it? You know why? I said, yeah, I will. No worries. Yeah. And um, again. I, yeah, I don't want to dog the bloke, he's from a bygone era and he's passed away many years ago. But he, his response was, Craig, God just wants an hour a week from you. Yeah. Um, so just come and sit here for an hour a week and put up with it. And I went, oh, that, no, that was the end for me. Mm-hmm. The church was gone. Like I believed in God. I knew, I was pretty confident he was there. I didn't quite get the whole Jesus mm-hmm. thing. That didn't make any sense. Yeah, I liked Jesus, but I didn't understand it. Um, mm-hmm. Why wouldn't God just be God? Why did that whole Jesus thing need to happen at all? Yeah. That, like, it just, I don't understand.
1: During your university time, near the end of it, you started attending a church?
0: Got a couple of years into university. So I started university with one bunch of friends, and, and I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but as I moved through uni, different courses, you end up with a group of people you're in most classes with, mm-hmm. whether it's alphabetical, whatever it is, you end up with those people. And in this group, there was a, a young lady who particularly caught my attention, like to say there's really altruistic reasons I ended up at church, but it's not true. She and her friend, who's now her husband, but I didn't, because I'm a simple dumb bloke, I didn't see any of that going on at the time. I just thought she was in love with me. She and Nathan, her name's Lynn, Lynn and Nathan um, started broadly talking to me about church stuff and I'd used every sort of pop psychology argument back against them I could, you know, as if it's just a crutch, it's every little argument I wanted to throw back at them I did, thinking I was really clever. And then one day she said, Hey Craig, why don't you come to this concert with me tomorrow night? And I'm thinking, Finally, she's <laughs> fallen for <from> my charm. <laughs> so this was a Friday afternoon and Saturday night. I ended up at the entertainment centre, which is where you go to concerts back then in Sydney. And it was just a whole Christian thing. And I just went, What on earth is going on here? And I, I spent the night mocking what was going on because I didn't, like, yeah. I was so uncomfortable. Um, I wanted to impress her. And there was another mate of hers who was there as well, and you know, I just—it was my intention to impress everybody. But at the end of the night, we were travelling back home, and I was dropping her off at her place. She said, "You know, we do this music at church," and I went, "Oh, well, that's not like my church." Mm-hmm. She said, "Well, you should—you should come." So, oh, okay, and I went the next Sunday, and, and in my level of arrogance, I, they walked in and introduced myself. I said, "Hello, my name's God," which didn't go over <laughs> particularly well, <laughs> and it, it's. uh the source of eternal embarrassment whenever I run into friends from that church. Hi, God. Um, you know, it's 20-something years later and they still give me a hard time about it. But it intellectually started to make sense, yeah. the Jesus thing, right? Yeah. Because you got a sense of God who... I started to understand Genesis, the broken relationship. How are we going to fix this relationship? You look at the Old Testament and there's the opportunities to fix the relationship where we screw it up every time and then Jesus comes. And he is the solution to the issue. And it all made sense. And so as an intellectual premise, I went, okay, well, and much of my upbringing in, in faith was about just accepting what was right mm-hmm. and it being more of an intellectual premise all the way through. Yeah. There is a God. That makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah. So, okay, there's a God. Well, okay, yeah, somebody's finally explained this Jesus thing to me. I knew that other bloke was a goose. This, you know, Tony was the pastor of the church and he explained it really well. Yeah. So it all made sense. Yeah. But it didn't particularly impact me. It just i I I'll go to church because that's yeah. what you do. If you agree with it, you go. I yeah, disagreed, yeah. I didn't go. I, I agree with this mob, I'll go. Started calling myself a Christian, as I said, didn't I don't necessarily know whether it changed my life a lot. Those early nineties, ninety one, ninety two, probably took five, six years. During that time I was the typical uh, young adult male, I, you know, had a good job as a teacher. And, yeah. You know, okay income, still living at home with mum and dad, so my costs were minimal. Enjoying myself, having hanging out with lots of different people, hanging out with people from work, church, it was great. And as I said, didn't really have to change my life a lot. People from church invited me to come and help work on a camp for young people with cerebral palsy and muscular dystrophy. Yeah. And I said, if you knew these people, you couldn't say no. Viv, you just don't say no to Viv. Um, so I still wouldn't today. Um, mm-hmm. So Viv asked me and I went. I was teamed up. So you, you act as a carer. I was teamed up with a young bloke named Alex. Now, Alex didn't have cerebral palsy muscle dystrophy. Alex had autism. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, he was on the camp. Yeah. And um, I spent the whole week just following Alex around. And um, I was just exhausted, mm-hmm. like emotionally, physically I'd never had to serve anybody else ever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Until then, it's it was just all about me, and I came away from that just utterly confused about who I was as a person. And I, and and look, to be honest, the confusion lasted another twelve months. All right? Like it just, I still couldn't get my head around it. But I went back to the camp the next year. Um, Norman Viv, who were the directors of the camp, saw how pathetic I was as a carer, <laughs> like, saw how selfish I was as a human being and how much of the limelight I liked. And they came up with a really clever plan of making me program director. Um, so I could be up front and yeah. in charge and tell people what to do um, and make sure things happened that were really engaging and exciting. And with a mate of mine, Greg, we, we directed the program. And it was, it was so eye-opening mm-hmm. to, to, um, to be there and watch... People serve to watch people bathe others, toilet others, mm. be up at all hours of the night to help people to yeah. pick up and carry. To was amazing, and I um, it's under- humbling, isn't it? Like, yeah, there's nothing
1: like just reflecting on becoming a father. Like there's nothing yeah. more humbling than wiping a backside. That's just- right. <laughs>
0: and and to have the person who who's you know, I I, I I picture one one bloke in my head. He's a manly fan like I am. Um, he to 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 hold him in the shower to to help him. Yeah. To have him not, he couldn't speak, but yeah. he he used a, a laser on his head to point out words on the chart that was on his wheelchair. And you just you just get a, It just all come. It all came together for me on that mm-hmm. camp. God just smashed me. Yeah. Uh, and I could take you to the point today, if we drove now to Camp Tookley, yeah. I could take you to the exact seat in the dining hall I was sitting in. I was yeah. finishing off a musical that we were running at the school I was working at. And I was sitting there, yeah. and, I, and, and not to be too high, hyper-spiritual or anything, but the Holy yeah. spirit just went smash. Yeah. I just said, hang on a second, fella, whack. And, and I understood. Yeah. Like I got it. I got yeah. what faith meant. I got what Christianity meant. I got what Jesus did.
1: Were you talking to someone? Or you no, I was just sitting there by myself, yeah.
0: reflecting on the yeah. on the on the on the camp, reflecting on the people I'd met. Because the year before, the, yeah. all the, most of the same people were there, but I was so wrapped up in myself, and oh, how hard is my life? Yeah. I've got to help this kid with autism. Far out, my life's so hard. Mm-hmm. And I watched, you know, the eighty-five-year-olds holding kids up in showers. Mm-hmm. Like, And here I am, a 20-something bloke, whinging and moaning about how hard my life... Like, and then, you know, um, I don't know who... I can't remember who preached that week at the camp. Yeah, it all tied together. And I just came away with a sense of... That it all made sense to me. That the bad choices I've made, and I've made plenty of those around relationships and, and people I wanted to date and not date, and who I wanted to hang out with and not hang out with, from a relatively early age, I made particularly—I was not a particularly helpful male when it came to females mm-hmm. and those relationships. Just self-absorbed, yeah. but it all—it all just made sense to me. Mm-hmm. What a what a jerk I'd been! How stupid I'd been! Yeah. And how how much what what the gift was like, what Christianity actually meant—that gift of grace that comes from Jesus. How enormous it was, and it was just overwhelming. I just—I don't know how long I sat there, but I don't—I don't—I didn't get much sleep that night. I just kind of sat in that room. It was—it was enormous. It was, like it was. It, it took me six or seven years, maybe, to become a Christian, but it took one night in one respect. So, yeah. it was enormous, and it's defined 1997 April. Yeah. Sort of now Easter holidays 1997 Redefined my life completely. I met my wife at that camp. Mm-hmm like that literally that camp so everything changed from that moment on still was stupid still did dumb stuff but yeah went back to the school i was working at decided that some of my relationships there were pretty toxic not helpful to me or the other people really quickly in the department of education at that point i don't know if it's still the same now you you could list when you wanted a permanent position you could list down to a single school or as broadly as the whole state i had two schools on my list where i wanted a permanent position I um changed the the first day back I I rang head office and changed it from being just the the one the two schools to anywhere in New South Wales I'd go. Yeah. Even though I knew I'd met Janet and I knew how yeah. awesome she was. I, I I chatted with this mate of mine, Greg, who we ran the camps together, and he said, Craig, God's God. Yeah. You only gotta trust him when you don't. So yeah. you've got to get out of the school you're in. So yeah. go to anywhere in the state. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So I did people dog bureaucracy at times but it's a really cool story Uh, i did that on the monday by the friday i had three phone calls from people in the group in the office going craig you do know what you've done (laughs) like you've you've, for for six years now you've been on this list and you've only wanted two schools and now you want anywhere you're really close to the top you might get one of these two schools you will get a school in the next couple of weeks and it could be anywhere and i said yeah i know that so anyway that yeah, that I ended up getting a school in Cabramatta. So mm-hmm. my parents lived at Guildford. Schools I was teaching at was in Campbelltown. And so I actually ended up getting a school closer to home, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, the God's God's mm-hmm. little giggle in some respects. Yeah. But at that school, uh, I ended up on a kindergarten class, um, and, and I'm I'm not very good. Like, <laughs> I'm good at lots of things, but teaching kindergarten, I'm not good at. So yeah. at the, it's the same the,
1: skill, isn't it? You've got to be nuts. <laughs> like You've got
0: to be crazy. They're little... But they have a sense of um uh, tension that goes for about fifteen seconds and they just need you. You're yeah. so needy and, and you're right, it is its own school, it's a whole other whole other thing and the people yeah. that do it are amazing. I just
1: wanna take you back to nineteen ninety six, just just going a year back, half time just before the or oh, just before half time in the ninety six grand final <laughs> Matthew Ridge illegally steals the ball and then I don't does think a double, it, no. double movement <laughs> to, to score a try. Oh, please. So my question is, how do you sleep at night?
0: <laughs> Thankfully, um, I'm a big believer in the referees always right, <laughs> and they got it right that day. But it was a, it was a beautiful grand final in '96, and just part of the Manly dynasty. What a footballer Matthew Ridge. <laughs>
1: I had a very similar experience in meeting my wife on a on a camp. You yeah. like, as program director where you were you able to suddenly
0: coordinate things so you were, Yeah, yeah, so, I was very clever. Yeah. Um on the I can't remember which night, it doesn't really matter. You, you as programme director you run, you run the days, but the days kinda take care of themselves, you've got to yeah. plan them well in advance. But the night programme is about reacting to what's happened during the day the weather what's going on do you play wide games outside do you do stuff inside and then trying to create things that work for people in wheelchairs as well to, yeah. to keep because it's not it's about keeping them busy and having fun um so we came up with a games night and on this one games night there was a bunch of games where you would involve the young people in the wheelchairs and so you do a range of things where they could participate in that yeah, clearly we don't do this anymore. But you know, it's messy food stuff, and it's drinking weird drinks. Yeah. And, you know, you know, we one we had the Tabasco sauce challenge, <laughs> where who could drink the most Tabasco sauce, stuff like that. One year we did the oyster sauce challenge because we couldn't get Tabasco sauce. Don't ever do that. We had people vomiting everywhere. Um, but this this night, I um, came up with what I thought was the best new game ever in history: um, paint the Picasso. you um, had some Lebanese bread. Um, and then you had the, the Greek uh, yogurt, you know, that, that sort of off-tasting yogurt, and food coloring. And so you'd mix up colors, and and the job of the people was to paint paint on the Lebanese bread a picture that people could make sense of. And rather than making it easy by giving them paintbrushes, though, that they had to use their tongues to paint the picture. Um, and not to put too fine a point on it, Janet was awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> She she painted Elmo going down a slide. Um, I wish I had a photo of it to show you today, Tommy. But it was it was a great effort. I, I kind of knew from the first couple of days she'd probably have a go at it because she showed such. She was just so enthusiastic and yeah. so amazing. Um, and then she had a go at it and she was unreal. And yeah. I was kind of smitten. Yeah. Um, and it just took me a couple of years to get her to believe me. So did
1: she start? Did you start dating pretty soon after
0: that, or? Uh, look, we tried to. Yeah. Um, there's There's a bit of an age gap. I'm nine years older than I janet know. she was she she was eighteen at the time yeah, I was twenty six like uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> immeasurably she's got me on every level man yeah. i I'm punching so far above my weight. it's not funny. I knew I had to get her signed up early before yeah. others worked out who yeah. she was <laughs>
1: there,
0: there, we had some issues with with her mum and dad not particularly being fans of me because I was that much older and and stuff like yeah. that we had to work through but she yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, she's just incredible. I'm just so blessed. She reins me in, gives me. I'd still be teaching primary school in Campbelltown, playing footy every weekend. Yeah, that's the reality. Yeah. If, if there wasn't Janet, I'd still be the selfish little prat. Everything I do is for the gospel, but the next level of everything I do is to impress her. Yeah, still. Yeah. If she doesn't laugh at my jokes, they're not funny. <laughs> it doesn't matter who else laughs. If she doesn't laugh, they're not funny. So that's that's kind of how it works. Um, in my house,
1: if Vicky doesn't laugh at my jokes, did, did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you are the funniest. Yeah. Man, I know, so yeah,
0: yep. it was a real blessing to me. Yep.
1: In '98, however, tragedy hit your family, and one of your brothers passed away in a car accident. Can you take us back to that time at all, like, remember? Yeah. hearing
0: about that? It was pretty vivid. Um, I was – we all still lived at home. Um, His name's Graham. Graham would get up in the morning first. He'd kind of have breakfast, have a shower, get dressed, go downstairs, jump into his car and head down to the station, get on the train, go into the city. And it's kind of as he – you know how you get routines in life? As he left the bathroom, the bathroom was kind of opposite where my bedroom was. As he left the bathroom, I'd get up and stumble into the bathroom to yep. start my routines for the day. Uh, for some reason this morning I didn't get up and at, as he left and I actually didn't get up until uh, there was a knock on the front door and it was one of our neighbours who was out for morning work and she said, Craig, you, your brother's been in an accident and you need to, it looks really bad. So I jumped him, I raced in, I, you know, I think I got dressed grabbed my car keys raced downstairs jumped in my car and raced down to where she said the accident was um and it was really bad um he, he was clearly dead um and my brother my younger brother Jono he at this stage had joined us and I kind of kept him back from where where it was the police came over and said what who are you we explained to the police who we were um they they were awesome, they handled the whole thing really, uh, really well. Um, they wanted to know where our parents were. Um, by this, soon after, this is all a bit of a blur. Soon after this, yeah. mum turned up with my little sister, um, but I sent, because mum had turned up, I sent my brother to my dad. I said earlier dad was at church every morning. Um, in the Catholic Church taking Holy Communion is really important and so one of the things Dad did every morning was take Holy Communion he was a minister, still is, again a minister of communion he would take it to my grandma and I figured probably that's where he was at my sister that's a uh, leb for grandma my sister's house so the coppers put John o in one of their cars and took him up to find Dad and he told Dad um, telling Mum was probably the the single hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm. Um, she wanted to, why aren't they working on it, you know? Um, it was just an exceptionally difficult day. Graham, Graham had struggled with epilepsy over a long period of time. From from the time he was 13, um, he was 26 at the time he died. Um, but for you can't have your license unless you've not had a seizure for two years. Yeah. Um so he had his licence back. Um but for some reason on that day at that time the medication stopped working and um he had a seizure. Um he didn't have his seatbelt on. So they think and not to put too far on it, the they think that somehow it happened that He was going into the seizure getting in the car, so mm-hmm. just the automation of humanity, yeah. meant that he got in the car, started it up, but for some reason didn't put the seatbelt on, yeah, and then the seizure took over yeah. just around what about 500 meters from my yeah. parents' house. So, yeah. it's uh, oh, it was a really hectic day, yeah, um, and a really hectic period of time afterwards, some really. Difficult conversations with people about uh, what had happened. Um, so people got irate that he was driving and stuff like that. And yeah. I was always a staunch supporter of the fact that um, he was—you got to let him leave if you can't cocoon yeah. him. Um, but question that a lot. Uh, yeah. I struggle heaps that I didn't get up that morning. Yeah. My like, God, uh, I have a real it sense of what if, what if I got up, what if I'd seen something, but I can't change that. Um yeah, so that was that it's uh I don't know, lots of people everybody deals with death and we're blessed in Australia to not have to deal with it often. Um but it was uh it 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 gave me an opportunity to talk about the gospel with people. Um, gave me a sense of uh, the ability to, lots of people ask lots of questions. I, I remember um, I was teaching a, a, a school, I was teaching a class of kids, it was the bottom, the kids who, who were really struggling with school, that, that didn't, some had intellectual disabilities, some just had rough lives. You know, there's one girl, a parents split up and then a dad died and she hated the world, and so doing well at school she didn't mean diddly squat to her. Um, and I, re- I still I wish I had the card to, to this. I remember getting a card after a few days from her. I don't know how it got to my parents' house, mm-hmm. but from her saying, um, I'm really sorry this has happened to you, um, but now we can talk about this whole God stuff. Mm-hmm. As in, now you get how I feel.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, which was just... It was uh, enormous. Um, and I think that just, that whole situation, the whole thing, um, from the funeral to to um, I got to give the eulogy to um, the, that night, um, the multiple, many golf games we played until I finally went back to work, um, to everything that happened from then till now, it just... um. Emboldened me to make sure that that I do everything I can to see the gospel preached, mm-hmm. do everything I can to help people hear about um, hear about the love of Christ, not in a in a structured organized if one plus one equals two, if you do this and you do this, Jesus loves you kind of way that that I kind of grew up with. But in a sense of, hang on, no, 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 let's let's look at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. And um, you don't need to change to come to him. You come to him and he will change you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's the, the defining. Again, I got the gospel in 97. I understood it. I knew I had to preach it. But seeing my brother pass away and... Um, not having any sense of whether he understood the gospel or not. because And again, please don't hear this as disrespect for the Catholic Church. There's none of that in this. But if you read the prayers and you really believe them, if you if you say the Mass, if you sit there in Mass and believe what's said, then then I believe you're a Christian. Yeah. It's just that so many, all of our churches, because they're run by humans, put things in the way of understanding the gospel
1: yeah.
0: um, because we want to be in charge. And they've just had more time to practice that skill. So I just, just empowered me to need to preach the gospel to people. Mm-hmm. Just just again and again, every chance I get to. Back then I was young and relatively cool, so I, I, I did a lot of youth stuff and, and did a lot of things there to make yeah. that work. Now that I'm older and nowhere near as cool, except when I look in the mirror, mm-hmm. um, I try to find ways to empower other people to be able to do what yeah. I did then. Yeah. Um Yeah, but it was, yeah, it was a defining point.
1: To the Little Picture podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Uh, also check out our Facebook page and like and follow us there. Uh, here at the Little Picture, we are all about hearing the stories of ordinary Christians as they serve an extraordinary God. Until next time, goodbye.